All right. Good morning, everyone. Let's get this situated again. I don't really want to hold it. I changed my outfit so I would have a pocket to hold it because I got very excited that I could preach this morning without a handheld mic because I tend to be a preacher who moves around. I use my hands. Those who know me, I use my hands a lot. So the fact that I didn't have to hold a mic this morning makes me super happy. Um, before I begin, let me kind of introduce myself. Uh, many of you know my husband, Philip. I am his wife, Elizabeth. Um, it's silly, but that actually makes me excited that you know my husband versus me. Because for probably the last nine years of our marriage, my poor husband has been known as, oh, that's the teacher's husband. Oh, yeah, that's, that's Mr. Philip. He's, he's the teacher's husband. So... I do apologize that it does kind of feel like the summer show the last few weeks, but here we go. My name is Elizabeth Summers, and I am the English teacher over at your school, Tri-City Christian Academy. I teach grades 9 through 12, and this is my 11th year teaching. So as I tell my students, I'm no spring chicken, but I still have a lot to learn. I like to know speakers before they kind of go into, into the depth, into the meat of their story. Um, one thing you guys probably know about me if you've ever talked to me is I am a very proud New Englander. I am born and raised in Maine. Um, Maine is a very beautiful place, and right now it is fall in Maine. And I got so excited this morning. I don't know if you noticed when you woke up. My dogs wake me up at 5.30 every morning. So I wake up and I go outside. And this morning I went outside to take them for a walk. And it was just crisp, as crisp as North Carolina can get. It was just so nice. And it was that change of season. And I got really excited because fall is definitely my favorite season. As a New Englander, pretty sure it's everyone's favorite season up there. So life in Maine you know, we're, we're pretty simple folk. Um, yes, it gets very cold in winter. Yes, we get a lot of snow. No, we do not ride moose around town for fun. Um, that's highly frowned upon. And yes, we only got high-speed internet within a few weeks, months ago. You can fact check that with my parents. So life is just kind of rough up in the boonies. But another thing to know about me as a preacher Let's try this again. I'm going to go off, off, off track here a little bit. This actually makes me excited. Here's the thing. This makes me excited because when we get hiccups like this, it's kind of Satan going, wait, I, I don't want you to say that. I don't, I don't want you to do this. So in the hiccups, rejoice a little bit. So with that being said, um, I am not a preacher. Okay, I used the wrong, wrong words there. As an English teacher, it happens a lot. But I do, I do like, I like to talk about my God. 
And I like to come up front and, and tell you guys a little bit about it. But one thing about me as when I am, am asked to speak is I just like stories, okay? I grew up a Seventh-day Adventist. I'm so Adventisty. I am a fourth-generation Adventist. That's a big deal in New England. Um, but I'm also some type of long-lost, probably six-removed cousin of Ellen White. True story. I really like history. I like genealogy. My husband bought me the, the DNA test kit, so I spit in a cup. I sent it away and got back the results. They were a little surprising, but that's a story for another time. And then we started digging, and mostly Philip found that one of my relatives married a Gould, and if you know your Adventist history, Ellen White was a Gould. And so, there, Ellen and I, long lost, six something, twice removed, I don't know how it works, but we're, we're cousins, yeah. That's a big thing in New England. Have you met Adventists like that? Like they, they kinda, they kinda like that. My grandmother would be so proud right now. But I digress. So I like stories, okay? And the first memories I have of church is coming in, and the pastor, deacon, elder, whoever was on the pulpit that day, they come up and they say, okay, it's time for a children's story. And I get excited. On certain, certain um, uh, days, it would, it would be the pastor. It would be the pastor's wife. Now, the pastor's wife, the, the church I grew up in, she told some, some interesting stories. It was always near-death stories. And that's what I grew up with. And I love stories. And so whenever I'm asked to speak, I tend to just tell a story. And here's the thing. When we look at the Bible, the ultimate preacher in the Bible was Jesus. And how did he preach? He told stories. He told analogies. Something simple, straight to the point. What better way to model my practice than after the ultimate teacher? So as a teacher, I started that journey at Andrews University many eons ago. And when I walked through Andrews University, I swore up and down I was not going to be a teacher. Mm -mm, not going to happen. One day in my senior class, it was British literature, we were reading some work of Shakespeare, Jane Austen, Charles Dickens. I really don't remember what we were reading. But my English teacher came up to me. She pulled me aside. The bell had rung, time to go out. And she pulled me aside and she said, Elizabeth, you're going to make an amazing teacher. Looked at her, said, Mrs. Merrow, absolutely not. I am not going to do all that. Do you know how much grading you have to do? No. And with that, the end of my senior year, I went off to Anders. I dabbled in many, many different majors and history, anthropology, archaeology, and lo and behold, I ended up in the education department. And of course, one of your first assigned readings as an education major in any Adventist school is the book Education by Ellen White. I remember going to the bookstore, buying the book, mumbling and grumbling about textbook cost, mumbling and grumbling even more because I had probably five copies of the book Education at home in Maine, and yet I still had to buy the book Education. And I sat outside, because Andrews University, it's a beautiful campus in the fall, and you sit outside and I open it up and I was like, okay, start my reading. And the first few pages of what I wrote is Mrs. White was telling me about how my co-teacher was Jesus. 
And that really hit me, and I was like, okay, I know God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I view Jesus as my brother. I am a daughter in Christ, so Jesus is my brother, but a co-teacher. I never thought that. And to read that, it was like, wow, like, teaching is a really important job. And now I'm terrified. So, he was our first teacher. And the idea is, how do I live up to that? At this point, you're probably sitting here going, okay, your sermon is titled, God and the Aloha Spirit. How does this tie in? Well, here's the thing. I got this idea sitting right over there where my husband is sitting last week, and he stood up here and he started to tell you about his sermon, and he called it, If Joshua Asked the, Joshua asked the Sun to Stand Still. So if you weren't here last week, essentially, what are you going to ask God for? Dare to ask God to do something in your life. And the moment Philip started that challenge, I went, ooh, I know what I want to talk about. And so I began to kind of write this sermon in my mind, but like my students, my wonderful 9 to 12 students. We all do this. We procrastinate. I am, I tell my students, do as I say, not as I do. And I finished writing this sermon last night. And so with that in mind, I still wanted this idea of this challenge. Do you challenge God? And when you do, what's going to happen? So this is my story of challenging God. And the thing that happened when I really, truly challenged him was absolute chaos. It was a bit of a dumpster fire at times. I finally pulled myself together with the help of God, taking a two-by-four and smacking me across the room, and now I'm here. So let's take a step back here, okay? In the Bible, do you remember Hannah? Hannah is found in the Old Testament. She is a character in the Bible that I have come to really relate to. And we see Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 1. We're introduced to a family, and I'm going to attempt to pronounce their names. Probably going to do it wrong. You can go back and look it up later. 1 Samuel chapter 1. We're introduced to a man by the name of Eklanah and his two wives, Peninnah and Hannah. Peninnah had children, and Hannah did not. Peninnah seemed to torture Hannah at this fact. If you have siblings, I'm sure you can kind of understand to an extent of just someone just needling you and nosing you and knowing, I'm better than you. That's what I envision Hannah going through in her married life. And so we have these two women and in 1 Samuel 1.5, we see Elkanah giving Hannah an extra boost. But to Hannah, he, Elkanah, gave a double portion of sacrifice. Because he loved her and the Lord closed her room. Hannah had a supporting husband, but she dared to ask God for more. She cried, she begged, she got on the floor, and she just wailed to God. She said... Verse 10 and 11. In bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. She made a vow saying, Oh, Lord Almighty, if you will only look upon your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, 
Then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. As Philip challenged us last week, Hannah dared to ask. She begged, she pleaded. And the story goes in verses 12 to 16. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli, high priest, observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, but her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli he was drunk and said to her, how long will you keep on getting drunk? Get rid of your wine. Not so, my lord, Hannah said. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Hannah is on the ground. She is beseeching God. She is crying out in anguish. And yeah, some people walked by and they judged her. What are you doing? Like, just, just move on. Like, it's life, just move on. And yet, Hannah took that challenge, and she asked, and she did receive her greatest desire. She had a son. Verse 20, so in the course of time, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. How this story relates to me and to Hawaii. You see, I started my teaching career. I graduated Andrews University with a degree in secondary education and social studies, history, government, economics, all that good stuff. My first teaching job was in a public school. I did six months teaching seventh grade history. Loved it, loved those kids. Still in contact with some of them here years later. And I came back to Maine, got married, and then got my first teaching job in a one-room schoolhouse. They still exist. We have some in our conference. And I was there for about four years at this one-room schoolhouse. I learned so much about teaching, about people, about business relationships. I even gave one of my bosses her first job there. She's sitting in the audience. So, I taught there for four years, and here's the thing, humans are humans. We hurt. Sometimes people inflict pain, and that came crashing down on me in the world of teaching. And especially teaching in a small school, it all caught up with me. So like Hannah, one day, I was beseeching God. I didn't like what I was doing. I didn't like the kids. I didn't like the adults. I didn't know what to do. So I'm crying out to God, God, this can't be it. I spent five years getting an education degree. Yes, I was a super senior. Now I've spent four years teaching. Is this it? Really? And I poured out my soul to him. I didn't want to do this. This is ridiculous. Even if Jesus is my co-teacher, you've got to be kidding me. And so nothing happened. I spent hours with my Bible in my living room crying out to God. And yes, there were physical tears and nothing. And so finally I said, fine, you know what? Unless a high school position opens up in Hawaii tomorrow, God, I guess that means you want me to stay here. So the next day, I opened up the website, and guess what the first posting was? High school history position in Honolulu, Hawaii. And I'm like, huh, 
That worked. Did not anticipate that. All right, I challenged him, so let's do it. Sent out my resume. Had interview after interview. Then it started getting real. Then we started talking. Salary, living conditions. The superintendent and the principal of that school had serious you know, concerns because they're like, a lot of people always apply to Hawaii because it's paradise. But you got to understand, do you know Hawaii? And I was of the special case. I had family in Hawaii. I visited Hawaii twice in my life. It is beautiful. I got to see what Hawaii was like through the locals. And it is an amazing place. And truly, I was giving, going to get given an opportunity of a lifetime. I could go visit family that I haven't seen very often, whenever I wanted. I was going to get extremely cheap room and board. I was going to be able to teach a subject that I love, and I was going to do it all in paradise. Like, that's exactly what God is offering me on a silver platter. Here you go. And guess what I said? I said no. Because the doubts come in and you get fearful. I had a husband to think about. What would he do for work? We had cats. We had just adopted two adorable little puppies. Not going to leave them. When you take them to Hawaii, Hawaii is very serious about what is allowed into their state. Animals have to do quarantine, and it's expensive. How on earth am I supposed to do this? And so, despite all of it, the storm came up. Within my heart, I was those disciples in the boat, shaking, watching Christ sleep soundly, because he had done his job. He preached to the people, and now he's asleep. And this hurricane is raging in my heart, and I'm like, uh, no. And despite all of that, that was my final answer. I told God no. But here's the silver lining. We serve a God who's a merciful God. He's a loving God. He's the kind of God that looks at a grieving, childless woman like Hannah and goes, give her a son. Not only that, make him the most influential prophet to my people. He's the kind of God that looks at a bunch of frightened disciples that he handpicked, and he's like, really, guys? And he wakes up from a beautiful nap. We've all had those beautiful naps. And he looks at the storm, and he tells it, sit down, be quiet. He's that kind of God. And so, on my own path, I made, this, I made that decision. And let me tell you, after that decision, I had a very bumpy teaching career. I stayed in education. I did go to another school, and I learned a lot about teaching. But that aloha spirit was still out there, and God still wanted me to take it. It just wasn't the aloha that I was thinking. Because two years ago, the same young teacher that I had given a job to, okay, the school board gave her a job, but I voted yes. But that same teacher reached out to me, and she's like, hey, I got a job for you. Like, come, just, just come apply. And I was like, you know what, God? I said no last time. Let's give it a go. So I applied. And now here I am in North Carolina. I had an extremely frustrating path, and I was trying to forge it on my own. But despite all of that, there was still my co-teacher. He was still right there by my side the whole time. And I was frustrated with that path. 
And I said, okay, God, let's try it again. Okay, much like our song service. Sometimes you have to stop and think, let's try that again. Okay? And so I did. But this time my heart was ready. When I was offered the position at Tri-City, I was like, yes, God. Because you see, in Hawaiian, aloha means love and fellowship. God wanted to give me that aloha spirit of love and fellowship that I had been missing for a very long time in my teaching career. And as I invite the praise team up, I want to read a bit of Hannah's prayer. Again, 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Hannah says, My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There's no rock like our God. God is ready to give us that aloha spirit, love and fellowship. Not only do I encourage you to be like Joshua and ask for the son, but I also encourage you to say yes to God. It's harder than we think, but when we do, that path that he has carved out for us, it's amazing. There's still bumps along the way. But we can look at the hurricane and know that this storm will pass. And there's a beautiful rainbow waiting for us and a promise that God's got this. So, what have you to fear? <laughs>